I like the um, I like heavy metal. D. We'll start with England because this is going to be the most fun I think for us to talk about. It's probably going to be where we. we this is the meat of the episode, surely. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first right, the first thing I noted down for this is that this is the most exciting England squad I have seen since 2006. Agree or disagree? Um, yeah. By by, how, how can it not be? Look okay. at look at it. The the only things that I think are missing from it are. Like a, like a absolute standout nailed on goalkeeper um, and I think maybe one more really important striker um, but I think you know we don't have we we have obviously we have options like Calvert-Lewin and Ollie Watkins and, and Danny Ings but we don't have another we don't have another nailed on striker that is you know if Harry Kane's yeah. not playing he has to play we don't have that and if if Jordan picks There's only one 30 goal scorer right Yeah, here. Which, you know, people used to think Rashford was a striker and he said out and out he doesn't want to be a striker, he wants to be a left winger. Um, And again, with a goalkeeper, I just don't think... You know, I like Dean Henderson a lot. I think he's got going to have a good career. Whether that's at United remains to be seen. Sam Johnson's, what, 28 now? He's, he's not going to come in and be a world beater. Jordan Pickford... As much as people give him shit, he's he's done good things in an England shirt, but we just don't have yeah. that. We don't have that Manuel Neuer type goalkeeper. We've not we've not had that, you know. We've not had that Buffon type goalkeeper. Um, it's such an interesting thing about English English goalkeepers. We we've never had one mm-hmm. that stood up and been like, "I am the best." And I think maybe that could be Dean Henderson, but it remains to be seen. There's yeah, I think we 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 England went through this phase between. God, what the early nineties through to well, we had David Seaman for about a decade, right? And he was consistently mm-hmm. the number one. He was fantastic for Arsenal. He was winning trophies with Arsenal, which meant that he was always going to keep his place between the sticks. And aside from the lob, with the Ronaldinho lob, I never saw David Seaman make a mistake in an English shirt. That was I mean, that's questionable mistake. He was obviously he was off his line. We don't know whether Ronaldinho meant it, blah blah blah. But he was always very, very reliable in an England and an Arsenal shirt. Then we went through this period where you didn't really know who the number one choice was. Yeah, it sort of Paul, flitted between... Paul Robinson. Yeah, Rob Green. Paul Robinson, Rob Green, David James. It was this period of about 10 years where it was kind of up in the air. Anyone could kind of take the gloves. I remember when Fabio Capello took his three goalkeepers to 2010 and rather than name a starting goalkeeper at the beginning of the tournament, he said the three that I've picked, which was David James, Rob Green and Joe Hart, they will fight for the gloves in training, which I think Rob Green said afterwards that that was very difficult for him and the rest of the keepers because they couldn't get their mind, like the mindset wasn't right. They didn't know if they're going to be starting against the USA or not. And now we're mm. in the same position. We, we had Joe Hart for a little while after that. I think he was obviously England's number one until 
well, until that Iceland loss and his complete drop in form and then being bombed out by Pep Guardiola. And then we're in this position again now where we don't have a set in stone number one. We just have some good goalkeepers and one that Gareth Southgate trusts in Jordan Pickford. It's not to say that he is... He's not set in stone because Nick Pope had the had the gloves for a little while. So it was kind of swapped around a little bit. And it's only through shoulder surgery that Nick Pope hasn't made it. So there is definitely room for a goalkeeper to come in, stamp his authority, take the gloves and be like, this is this is mine. For 10 years, these gloves are mine. Mm-hmm. Um, when that will be, if that happens, I don't know. I, I don't think, know. I think Dean Henderson is backing himself to be that, to be that goalkeeper. Okay. Uh, he said that. In, when he broke into the United uh, team and then they obviously sent him out alone to Sheffield and he had that year, they were like, I remember watching an interview and he was like, I will be Manchester United number one and I will be England number one. Yeah. And I I like that confidence. Um, mm-hmm. 22, 23, is he? Maybe he's about that age. I don't know how old Dean Henderson is. I think, he's, is, t- is I think he's 23, 24 maybe, but um, yeah, I, I think he'll definitely go to the World Cup next year. Um Obviously, Pickford probably will too. But he's twenty four. He's twenty four. Come back in. Yeah, twenty four. Which for a goalkeeper, yeah. you've you've got. It's still quite young. 10, There's still ten years. Ten left years. Yeah, ten years easy. Um, There's also a distinct lack of high quality centre backs, which is something England has always been able to produce. Right? If you you literally just go back through the squads, you've always had John Terry, John Terry, Rio Ferdinand, Ferdinand Sol Campbell, um, Tony Adams, Martin Keown. like. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, if you just go through from you know back to like nineteen ninety, I guess you've always had very solid England centre backs, and now we don't really have that. We don't have the depth of talent in that position that we've always been able to create or mm. culture. And it yeah. seems like all of our good players have been shafted out onto the wings a bit. Now, for some reason, we have fifty-five amazing right backs. <laughs> <laughs> Which... Like we have. Uh, a huge list of right backs that could quite easily say that I'm the best in the world. It's like it's very strange that our best position seems to be out on the wings. To me, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, you know, Harry Maguire obviously probably not even going to be fit until the knockout round. If we're honest, I remember yeah. Carl Anker saying he should probably just not play football for two months because if he does at all get an injury and then it affects United next year, like it's then going to knock on and affect the World Cup and what mm. is what is six weeks and a Euros versus an entire another season and I mean obviously it's, it's, it's you've got to put everything into international tournaments because you're playing for your country but you know if he's if he's only going to be able to play 50% of his of his full capacity why take him um, and to me Tomori Tomori's a player I really like obviously done really well at Milan they've snapped him up as soon as they could and something else that i've been saying to ben especially for a fucking year for about a year i think i maybe mentioned it on here is the best one-on-one defender in the premier league is wan right no one really disputes that it's clearly shown you go one-on-one versus wan you're probably not going to get past him um mm-hmm. this if we're playing a back three this guy can play center back he's got the ability to me he would come in ahead of cody he would come in maybe right, ahead okay. of Mings, um, but he's not. So he's not maybe it's just he's uh, Wambasaka is at most twenty three, right? He's very young. He's still mm. early twenties, which makes me think that this tournament has come too early for him. But in eighteen months' time for the World Cup, I don't think you'll see 
I mean, I'm completely completely wrong because I was already I've already been once this year completely wrong about Kyle Walker. But Walker or Trippier could miss out on that World Cup squad because they're they've they've sort of over the hill. Not I over think the hill, I think they're probably going to have to because I don't I think we are at a point you where you know if if Trent didn't make the squad, you'd be like, right, something's obviously going on here. But he did make the squad and Trent make yeah. you know Trent being in there he Trent's gonna play for England for his entire career he'll go to the World Cup unless he has an absolute mm. shitter next year and he'll be at every tournament <laughs> like to me I think you're right which you know Trippier Walker probably not going to the World Cup you, Connor Cody's yeah. what 29 Tyra... it might just be like their kind of last dance for those yeah. for those their last kind of summer tournament it, I mean they could 18 months time is not that long they could still be around then but mm. after that that's kind of that that generation is done then you move on and then you can bring in a wan who is still extremely young so we've not even talked about ben godfrey or ben white yeah ben white i i really like ben white i I do too i would i think i might have changed my mind i might have actually taken him in the 26 now but aside from i mean the the right back situation essentially sold itself right trent's unfortunate thigh injury means that that question and that kind of oh four right backs blah 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 shit that a lot of people have been saying is now gone now I find that there's not a lot to complain about. I can't I can't find a single point to complain about with this 26. A midfield of Bellingham, Foden, Grealish, Henderson, Mason Mount, Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice, Bakayo Saka, Jaden Sancho. I mean, Jaden Sancho yeah. is more of a winger. I don't know necessarily why he's lumped in with the midfielders, but maybe it's just to give it balance because if you take Sancho and Saka out of being actual midfielders... That's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven midfielders. Um, but it's only two spots. It's only or three th- yeah, spots. Yeah, you're right. Really, it's only it? two, three it's spots. It's three spots. So seven for three spots is actually not because you don't play mm. the standard four, four, two but anymore. Even so then, it's like Bellingham, Foden, Grealish, Henderson, Mount, Phillips, Declan Rice, Saka, Sancho. That's a, it's a good midfield. It's outstanding. Mm. I'm really like without. I, I, I've, every year I tell myself I'm not going to get so excited, and then every summer it kind of it ramps up and you know i've li- I've, I've just bought the new english shirt and <laughs> i'm ex- i'm sat in it now and i'm excited to watch the romania friendly later on today like i find myself just getting whipped up into a frenzy in the week prior to a tournament every single time it comes around mm. and this squad is not doing any it's not doing any good for my heart because i'm just <laughs> really excited to get this i'll probably be disappointed in a month's time but at the start of the tournament i'm always really excited yeah there's something that i did want to bring something I wanted to bring up and something to note about England that and it's actually something that genuinely terrified me when I read it in a piece by Johnny Lou this week is their their like propensity to blow a lead or mm. like England find it very difficult to turn the screw when going ahead and yeah. they tend to play a lot more conservatively just after taking the lead and then they more often than not surrender that lead completely so if you watched if you watched the Austria game the other night they went 1-0 up and then you you kind of see it was pointed out that you can see Harry Kane leading from the front, like okay, let's press, let's kind of take the advantage here, let's try and get a second goal for the ten minutes between that goal and then him being taken off. And then after he got taken off, there was none of that. It was mm. just we'll sit back, we'll hold what what we have, we hold, we'll yeah. just stay with a one goal lead. And in if you if you kind of go back through the tournament history, this goes back years. If you you look at yeah. Portugal, the game against Portugal in two thousand, they went two 0 up, lost three two. Brazil quarterfinal in 2002, one they went 1-0 up, lost 2-1. France and Portugal in Euro 2004, they went ahead and drew 
and or lost. Uh, sort of when I went against Portugal, they drew, went out on pens in the groups. They lost two one to France with two last minute like two injury time goals to Zinedine Zidane. Sweden in two thousand six, they went they went up and drew. USA in two thousand ten, they went up and drew. France two thousand twelve, they went up and drew. France and Iceland in two thousand sixteen, they went up and drew or went up and lost. Colombia and Croatia twenty eighteen same story so every single all of those occasions where we've gone ahead we've then gone to shit the bed later on right and it continues through generations and managers so when we go ahead watch out for that mm. <laughs> because it even even happened like against tunisia where we went one nil up then we got pegged back and looked completely devoid of ideas until yeah. we were able to snatch it in the last minute where the, the tunisians didn't have a chance mm. that like we didn't have like kane scored in like the 90th minute and there was no chance for England to then step off the gas. It was just a case of score, final whistle. Yeah. So we need to be well, I going mean... one nil up and then attacking a bit more and like actually trying to build up a two, three goal lead rather than build up one lead, Pla- a one goal lead, and then sitting on it. And, and and to give that to give that some some substance as well, like mm. in terms of wanting that to happen. Players like Jaden Sancho, Jack Grealish, Phil Foden, like Mason Mount. As much as obviously Mason Mount and and um, Reese James Ben Chilwell have have come into had this coach that's super structured and conservative come in, while you know whilst being really exciting, Jaden Sancho, Phil Foden, Grealish, not the type of players that naturally sit off from anything other than progressing and attacking and you know Jaden Sancho one v one at the minute, even he's had a bit of a stop start year of being injured with Dortmund, but like. He he. The only way he knows is forward. So yeah. I feel like in turn, you know, that that will same same with Kane. Like if he gets a chance to shoot, he's gonna shoot. Um. So I feel like that 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 will you know we will that will happen. Um. I hope we get over it. <laughs> I hope we get over it. And and I feel like the influx of players like Bellingham, like Foden, like Grealish, like Roy Keane saying Grealish was the standout performer and we need to need him in the squad and like Roy Keane is nothing but a twat about England is he <laughs> it doesn't matter if they play well it'll tell you they've been awful and sometimes yeah. it's for the banter and sometimes it's because genuinely he has an absolutely sort of stone age view on football which I quite enjoy sometimes but him it's good pr- TV him pr- yeah it's good TV <laughs> him praising Jack Grealish in that manner says a lot and I think you know it's interesting. I feel like the team could have been very different. He could have stuck mm-hmm. to what he knew, not taking Grealish and taking Lingard first off, but taking players like Jack Grealish, taking players like Calvin Phillips. Like I like Calvin Phillips. I think he's a really good footballer. I think he's one of these players you put. You know, people talk about defensive midfielders for a team like United or City or something. I think Calvin Phillips. He's. I think he's good enough. His passing range is good. Yeah. He's calm on the ball. He's positionally he's really good he has that quarterback role sort of nailed down at Leeds like I like that I like that inclusion Declan Rice was somebody that I was not always massively sold on but I think it's come to that point where look at how well West Ham have done this year and you have to identify him identify him as one of the players that has really sort of been at the forefront of that push and then going forward I mean Sterling Rashford Kane Calvert-Lewin pretty good on paper isn't it Mate, it is it is a very exciting yeah, it's a very good squad. It's a very exciting squad and I do think like I do have a lot of hope for this year and I 
it, it could well come crashing down, but I don't really care. Like going into a tournament, if you don't have hope, what's the point? Oh, so 100%. that's that's the only thing. There's going to be a, there's a lot of people of other like of other supporting other nations that will be like, oh, England always build themselves up, which we do. Of course we do. Um, it's more like yeah, as as a fan, that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, so I'm I'm very excited for the English squad and sort of the the England games. Um, two o'clock next Sunday, um, against Croatia. So speaking of Croatia, um, Zlatko Dalic is still the coach. So. The guy he is. He's still in charge. The things of note are like Rakitic has retired, Mandzukic has retired, but Modric is like soldiering on. He's still in. He's going to be still in the heart of that midfield with probably Kovacic and Brozovic, and those will be. I mean, it's still a really strong midfield. There's 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 a few players that have. I've not watched any Croatia games in in qualifying or the Nations League, so I'm basic. I'm going off the things that I've read and some of the highlights that I've seen, and there is a, a like a small crop of like younger players that are going to start taking up the mantle of, of Mandzukic and Rakitic I know that Borna Barisic has had a great season at Rangers mm-hmm. obviously just won the Scottish League title you've got Nikola Vlasic of used to be at Everton is now ripping up at CSKA Pal- uh, and Pasalic then... is doing really well at Atalanta yes exactly yeah and then the one the one name that keeps popping up is this Bruno Pekovic who has I think he's got six in 13 of his international sort of young international career as it is and he's supposedly there kind of great white hope if Croatia are going to have a good tournament they're going to need Petkovic to put the ball in the back of the net mm. and this when you look at the defence as well it's quite an aging defence in terms of that Lovren is still there Domagojvida is still there Domagojvida is still there yeah. um, and they're going to be they'll be slow but I imagine still quite a yeah, just a, quite a tough nut to crack I mean, there's going to be I think Kaleta yeah, and- of Marseille is going to need might need to step in at some point um He's relatively young, or he's younger than the other two they've got. It's just a very aging defence. Kovacic, though, had a, I think, a really good year at Chelsea. Yep. People, you know, people yep. say as soon as Tuchel come in, he's been playing like a man possessed. Um, yep. Perisic always seems to deliver. Good footballer, good athlete. Um, obviously, we had that Spurs game where Orsic scored that hat-trick. Yes, yeah, yeah. Very direct. Um, mm-hmm. Kramaric, obviously, now a proven, proven goal scorer in the Bundesliga. And Ante Rebic, who scored some good goals for Milan had this year. Had a great year. season in Milan, yeah. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. I mean, a good tournament team, I think. Like, yes, definitely very. one that England, if England don't beat them, if we, I don't think they will. Really? You to think be we're going to lose? I think it's going to be a draw. No, no, no. I think it's going to be, the opening game is going to be a draw. I think, it's going to be uh so i have england and croatia both on top of, with with seven points uh, yeah with seven points at the end of the group so two wins one draw between each other um and that's how i have it ending it obviously then you've just got to go down to goal difference and how many you can score against a team like like scotland and czech republic but i think this opening game between croatia and england is going to be very well matched i don't think i just don't see either side losing mm. yeah I think it's going to be a very cagey opening game. I think England are going to be fairly... I think they're going to be quite nervous going into it. And I think Croatia are just going to be very difficult to break down. I think he's going um, to play the 3-5-2 against them. And I think yeah. Croatia come out yeah. with a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1. <laughs> yeah. Modric and Pasalic holding. Kovacic probably mm. a bit more advanced or something. Perisic on the left. Carlo, Carlo on the right. Maybe maybe Petkovic up front. And then obviously they've got back four. What, Vesalico? Lovren, yeah, Lovren, Vida, Vida, and then maybe Borna Barisic is he a left back? I think he's a left back. Yeah, yeah. I mean that. It's a good team. 
It's a good team. Yeah, no, it's a really strong and team. Any I team with Modric in it is a, a good team. Cool. Moving on to Scotland then, because this is one that... I mean, it's good to have them back, right? It's good to have them back at a summer tournament for the first time in, what, 20-odd years? I mean, it's good for Scotland. <laughs> like, I can't remember the last time I watched Scotland at a major tournament. You said 20 years. 23, I think. 23 years. <laughs> it's a long old time. 20, yeah, about 23 years, I think. 1998 it was. And so, yeah, I think to have another home nation involved, although you haven't got Northern Ireland miss out this time, it's going to be... It's gonna be a party atmosphere down in down in London for Wembley when when Scotland play England. It's a Friday night, eight o'clock kickoff, and I know a lot. I think the Scottish FA or maybe this the Scottish Police have advised Scottish fans not to to travel down to London or to sort of congregate around Trafalgar Square. You know they're going to. It's the first, it's the first time they've been in a tournament for twenty three years. People are gonna have fun, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's that's gonna be one hell of a game. There's. Scotland are a good side at last for the for the first time in in about twenty years, about two decades. They are a very good side with some like some really good players. I and did watch that game where they got beat four 0 by Kazakhstan. Oh, that yeah, that was yeah, that was a well, was that a World Cup qualifier or maybe it was even a, I think it was a Euros qualifier. It was, they, yeah, it was a Euros qualifier. Yeah, they they qualified through the Nations League, didn't they? They got a playoff place, and I think they during during Euro twenty twenty qualifying, they just completely took their foot off the gas because they were like, "Oh, we've got this playoff place in our back pocket. If we fuck this up, we've got we've got another route to mm. go through." And I think that was kind of in the back of their mind the whole time because yeah, I remember I watched that in a pub that four 0 loss to Kazakhstan. That was, <laughs> that was quite embarrassing <laughs> yeah. away at Kazakhstan. But like one player I did want to bring up just right off the bat with Scotland is is Lyndon Dykes. Um, I've watched him, well, 46 games this season for Queen's Park Rangers. He scored twice in his opening two, I think, with two penalties, then went completely off the boil in terms of he didn't hit the back of the net until... I don't think he hit the back of the net until January. But he's the kind of player... Well, he was completely reborn when Charlie Austin joined in January. And he's this kind of player where he provides he's the perfect foil for a strike partner or for like a willing runner around him. He holds the ball up so well. He always wins the ball in the air. He makes so much room for someone to run around him. And if you've, since his first call up for Scotland, I know I've watched the game against, I think it was Slovakia. Uh, No, sorry. The game against Serbia where they went through on the penalty shootout. He was a fucking revelation in that game. If, if, if he proves to be, if he, if he plays as well as he did for, 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 for Queen's Park Rangers in the last six months of the season with a strike partner or like willing runners around him like a Ryan Fraser or Che Adams, mm. they could, I mean, they, they could score quite a few goals in the group stages. I think, I think Che Adams has already got two in three and with Lyndon Dykes kind of making space around them for them to run onto ball, sort of winning the first ball and then knocking it on for, for someone to run onto or to, to move around him, they've finally found someone like an attacking threat up front and for these sort of runners around them I think that's that's going to be key for them Lyndon Dykes has been fantastic for Scotland and for Rangers so yeah I mean looking through the squad Craig Gordon proven David Marshall mm, mm. solid Liam Cooper obviously leads had a had a relatively good year Scott McKenna of Forest when he has played he's he's been one of the first names on the team sheet next to Joe Worrell if- has he been good this year then yeah McKenna. When he has played for Forest, he's been solid, and you know we we I think we paid like three four million for him, which for a championship mm. signing. I know most championship signings are a bit more money nowadays, but even then, that's significant. That's a fair chunk of change. It's yeah. a fair chunk. I mean, 
Andy Robertson, say no more. One of the best left backs in the world. Kieran Turney, yep. really, really good Another. player. Really enjoyed him <laughs> this year for Arsenal. Um, he he looks equally he looks equally hungry at centre back or left back or left wing back. Um, if anything, he's probably good enough to play left wing if he needed to. Um, same with mm. Robertson. Um, midfielders Stuart Armstrong obviously came down from Celtic to Southampton people were like well, he's done, not really done too much and then consistently been there and I think he's one of those players that he's a bit you don't hear much about him but that's because he's doing his job so you don't really need to um, yeah. Billy Gilmore exciting Callum McGregor solid for Celtic um, Ryan Christie he's a good player John McGinn obviously really enjoyed him for Villa Scott McTominay should be playing for England, but whatever. Um, <laughs> a good midfield, really, isn't it? Like you can't argue it yeah. on paper. It's it's a good midfield, um, and then up front, I feel like they're other than obviously Lyndon Lind- Dykes. I feel like they are missing like that that big strong striker. Um, but well, that's him though. Yeah. I think that's that's Dykes, and then and then I think in in someone like Shea Adams, they've got a they've got someone who can finish. I think I think yeah. Shea Adams is going to prove to be. I know. He, had a tricky start with his with his Southampton career, but I think he's gonna. Oh, he's he's, he's come definitely with, come with good. He's, he's definitely a proven, proven yeah. Premier League player. Um, yeah, I've got high hopes for for this Scotland team to be honest, because if you they've Scotland have never progressed to the knockout rounds of a, of an international tournament ever, but with two games at Hamden, two home games, I think it's they've got they're they're at home to Croatia and the Czech Republic. This is their best chance yet of doing mm. so. This is this is Scotland's best chance yet, and in Steve Clark as well who. I like as a manager. I think Steve Clark. He's he knows. I think he knows his squad inside out now, um, and I think he's pieced together a side that they don't look when they go behind. It used to be that Scotland would just capitulate and concede two, three, four after that. But they when they go behind now, they seem to have this belief that they can bring mm. it back. Um, and I think that's going to be key against teams like Croatia and 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 England. And with their their opening game is is against the Czech Republic, who we'll get onto next at home if they can get three points against the Czech Republic at home that's them with one foot in the in the last 16 already and then all they need is they'll just need a draw to make it through to the last 16 mm-hmm. and against against England or Croatia England the game will take care of itself really because that is a that's a derby right that's a, a there's it's, it's quite a precarious place to, for England to play Scotland as well second because if we do fuck it up against Croatia and then Scotland come out and absolutely oh, surprises yeah. we're done they can we're eliminate out. us which will be <laughs> they can pretty much eliminate us. Yeah, exactly. If we if we lose heavily to Croatia in the first game and then lose again to Scotland in the second game, that's it. We're toast already. So yeah, this is their best chance yet to to make it out of the of the groups of a tournament. The final team in this group is the Czech Republic. Um, tested England away in Prague during qualifying, but they they they're built around an aerial threat, right? If you look at the season that Thomas Suchek had, mm. he is extremely strong in the air. Um, they play a lot of. I know they, they sort of play. Yeah, they play for a lot of long balls, and and they're, they're a threat from set pieces. I mean, like England are. Um, but this this opening game against Scotland will will prove crucial, right? Yeah. So this is the winner. Winner will probably. I mean, could claim third, but if you you get a win in the first game here, that's yeah, like we say, that's kind of one foot in the in the knockout round already. Mm. I mean, they've they've got some. They've got. I feel like they've got some performers in there, and, and countries like the Czech Republic, they give it all on the on the pitch, don't they? They literally die for it. You know, Thomas Vaklik is. I think he's the number one goalkeeper at Sevilla now. 
Vladimir Kufal, what a year he's had at West Ham. Yes, he has, yeah. Top, he's been one of the top right-backs in the league Excellent this year. right-back. Going into midfield, the reader, always very, a very good mm-hmm. passing player. Uh, Jakub Janko, I think he came through a few years ago, was supposed to hit some heights that he hasn't yet, but still a handy player. Um, obviously, got Thomas yeah. Sukek. And then Adam, Adam Plozak, very, very good young talent. Quick goal scorer, can play left, can play right, can play up front dangerous i mean i feel like yeah. they're one of these teams that they are going to build it around their best players but the the players that are going to you know fill the gaps are going to are going to really put a shift in patrick schick as well and you've gone to leverkusen yeah, schick now and vidra schick and vidra up front are going to they're they're two i mean we, we know a little bit about Matthew vidra because obviously he plays for burnley in the premier league as finished the season better than he started it and i think patrick schick who has kind of bounced around a little bit, really. There was quite high hopes for him when he, I think he moved from, I think it was at Sampdoria, signed some agreement with Juventus that then fell through, went mm-hmm. to Roma, didn't really hit the highs that he was supposed to. Roma moved to, Leipzig. I think he was at Leipzig yeah. then. Yeah. Now he's and at Leverkusen. Leverkusen. Scored some yeah. goals this year. I think he's got quality and put him in front of yeah. goal one-on-one and you back him to score. Um, I think they could be a, you know, they could be yeah. a bit of a okay. thorn in this group. So who have you got? What? What? Um, how are you? You know, what's your prediction? How are you ranking this one then? I think I think I'm just going to go for it and back myself with my feelings of what you want to happen. So England top the group okay. for me, yeah, because it can't be any other way. And that obviously okay. every single England fan is going to say that. And if you're not English and you listen to this and you think we're idiots because that's what we always think, you are right. We are idiots. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> second, I think Croatia. Okay. Third, I think Scotland. Yep. Fourth, I think Czech Republic. Okay. So I had, see, I, I had England, Croatia at the top on seven points. I'll put England in top just because, um, it would depend on goal difference. I then had Scotland in third and Czech Republic last, but I think it could because because of Scotland have two home games, it could be England, Scotland, Croatia, Czech Republic purely on. You know, Scotland could get two mm. wins at home with a raucous crowd behind them. Yeah, put them through in second place, which would put them in a with a decent knockout tie in the last sixteen. You could have Scotland going all the way through to the quarterfinals at least. So the path could open up for them. That'd be quite exciting. Um, that wraps up Group D. Group okay, D. Group, group E. Here we go. We'll start with Spain because they're going to be the favourites in in Group E, right? My first question is: Do Spain scare you at all? Um, in uh, on on an overall. No, but if you come up right. against them, if England were to play them, then yes. I feel like Spain now are moulding into that sort of team where the the era of the Clasico stars is going. It's almost gone. It's it's there's it's not massively represented at all within this team. But I still think on their day, they have enough quality that. Mm-hmm. If they got to the final of this, we'd be all go- we'd all be going. Oh, I never saw that coming. But at the same time, <laughs> it is representative of the Spanish footballers and s- Spanish football and the players that they have. You can't deny that there's abundance of quality in there, even though we are missing the likes of David Silva, the likes of David Villa, the likes of Fernando Torres from years gone by. Like, yeah, you know, Sergio Ramos not even been called up. We've not got. I think don't even think Danny Carvajal's in this team, is he? Like, no. Sergio Busquets. No, there's a severe lack. There's and a Thiago lack of are probably the, the most. Oh, say Aspiliqueta, 
Busquets, Thiago, probably the most experienced players in this team other than De Gea. Yeah, De Gea. If so, I if if De Gea is their best option in goal, like is is that their best option? Is is one of my questions. But if any game goes to knockout, like if any knockout game goes to penalties, they're they're done. They're toast. We we saw how he reacts to penalties in the shootout against Villarreal. Like mm. I don't have any confidence in him and be able to save a penalty. Um, which is it is what this whole tournament could hinge on for them. Um, I yeah. I I'm convinced. Do they that the scare only team you? Actually, no, not all. I'm convinced okay. the only team that scare me in this tournament are France. Mm. Same way as you. If England can't be against them, Spain could beat us. But I don't fear them like I used to. I don't fear the Germans like I used to as well. That will probably come back to bite me in the ass. But it just means that they don't have this air of invincibility around them anymore. There's a there was a thing around Spain for about eight years where you knew if you came up against them, you're fucked. No, oh, yeah. But now Iniesta when you and pick Chavez, through the team, no exactly. But yeah. now you pick through the team and you're just looking at like, yes, there are good players in there, Aspilicueta and Thiago. I mean, De Gea is a good goalkeeper, but in knockout football, I don't have any confidence in him. The one player that, that that came up on that BBC on the on the the Daily Euros was Pedri, and he is someone that's going to be very exciting. I think he's made the step up from from lower level. Was it Las Palmas? He was yeah. at to Barcelona. He's made that step up almost effortlessly, and is now quite a key component in this in this side for for Luis Enrique. But there is a very like a severe lack of star power compared to previous squads. In they don't have know, a striker that massively scares me i feel like Morata three four oh years ago oh my god you did you say... watch the nil nil against portugal no did he or miss any of the sitter? highlights he he's missed he missed over a handful of of like great guilt edge chances like he's he's a terrible finisher like he had two one-on-ones he had a i saw somebody call had, him the spanish uh, team Werner. <laughs> it's, it's worse than that honestly his movement's not as good as team Werner. at least Werner gets in like I think I think I counted five at least at the time, but there was there's two chances within the six yard box that he just couldn't get the right connection on. Right, and I don't have any faith in Morata as as a sole striking option. I know like you, you, we saw sort of Gerard Moreno in the the Europa League final. He looks like a good option up front. He scored what thirty this season. There's just no there's no one in that Spanish squad that just sends a shiver down my spine anymore. Yeah, I think yeah you can't you can't. There's no one that's like he is, you know. He is the the, the player of the of the team. I think Oyasabal's got a lot of got a lot of talent, and Adama Traore, you know, he's a bit of an unknown quantity in in, in national football because I doubt they're going to use him at right wing back. I feel like they're going to use him as a bit more of a, a winger. Um, yeah. Fabian Ruiz, good player, obviously played at Napoli. Koke, you know, won the league of Atletico Madrid. Saul's not even in the squad, but um, Danny Olmo, he's an exciting player. But again, none of these, none of these players are out and out. These are superstar players yet. Um, obviously, no. This could be the tournament where a lot of them make their name for themselves as well. Yeah. So this could be. We could think about the Spain squad completely differently at the end of the month. I think they're they're probably. I mean, I've got I've got them as top in the group. I don't have any doubts about that. But I just think that just one thing. It was just something I wanted to point out that I just they don't strike fear in me like they used to. Mm, yeah, let's move on to Sweden. Yeah, they obviously. I mean, they they made the quarterfinals in 2018 with quite a limited squad, and even though I think Zlatan was was pegged to make the squad, then he got injured, so he's out. They they still have a little bit more up front than they did two years ago. 
I noted that there's there's a few young talents in there like Alexander Izak, Dejan Kulisevsky, Ken Semmer. They look brighter than the options they had three years ago because Marcus Berg is still in there. Mm. Um, Jordan Larson, he's maybe one to watch. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's there's more up front than they had three years ago. They they always seem to. It's a very well matched group actually below Spain. I think mm. Sweden, Poland, and Slovakia is quite a toss up. Yeah. Um, in terms of you could see any one of those three coming second behind Spain they could all beat each other so my thoughts on Sweden are just that yeah it's a very well matched group but again and again and again they continue to prove themselves there's just no pushovers they mm. always seem to make it out of the group and then you know make the last 16 the not like the, the first couple of knockout rounds and then go out in a valiant defeat um, it all goes through Forsberg really doesn't it he is there yeah he massively he is their main player um, yeah obviously Larson in there for set pieces and I imagine he'll play a few games but Emil Forsberg, Victor Lindelof. On paper, it's an okay squad. Not scary at all. No, no. Which I think what is about probably... Poland for you? Poland. Poland are one of those teams that you could either batter them 4-0 or they'll batter you 4-0. Um, <laughs> I think yeah. looking at the team, looking at the squad, Chesney, you know, Juve number one. But Jan Bednarek's had a good year. Obviously, Kamil Glick on midfielders. Matthias Klick, good year for Leeds. Zelinski, good footballer. Very good footballer. Yeah. And then obviously going forward, you've got Milik and Lewandowski. And... That's where the goal threat is, right? Yeah, two so very, very good strikers. Yeah. They're quite, they, they've got two yeah, extremely good strikers. I, did, I read that that they they, they, they they eased into qualification. They they sort of walked the group and then they sacked the coach that got them there and replaced him with Paolo Sosa, who used to, he used to coach QPR. He had a very unsuccessful coaching career at QPR for like I think he stayed for like a season beginning of the 2010s um, and I don't think results have been too good under him so far but when you've got you've just mentioned Lewandowski Milik and Zielinski this Polish team have a chance to outscore you they could quite easily mm. rack up three or four goals if they can get the service yeah. into Lewandowski and Milik I picked Milik five years ago to be the standout player at 2016 because stupidly i thought that he'd find a lot of space around defenders where they were like where defenders were so focused on marking Lewandowski. Mm. i thought that Milik would be able to find space because he'd just come off quite a good season at ajax i think and i thought he'd be able to pick up quite a few goals against uh i think they had northern ireland in their, in their group and the ukraine so i thought Milik could sort of hoover up two or three goals in the group stages didn't happen and he's not really kicked on since so this is i mean he's running out of time now Milik is going to have to step if if he's going to be one of Europe's best strikers if massive if big question mark this is the chance now to sort of whilst whilst opposition defenders are so focused on Lewandowski he's just got 41 goals in the Bundesliga now's time to find the room around him sniff out the chances and pick them up and put them in the back of the net that's their whole group stage is going to come down to whether those two strikers can put the ball in the back of the net for them because it's they're geared up to play on the break really i think and mm. they're, just, they're gonna have to get the service into them yeah um that's where the whole thing's gonna lie for them and then i mean finally we have slovakia who pff, bottom of the group no wins that's my prediction for them um the only standout player they have is hamsik well, it's marek hamsik yeah. right who is now old and playing in sweden as a a kind of he did the old gareth bale treatment where he's just found a club quickly and used them as a treadmill to get himself up to speed and their next place, like the next best players that they have, are at the back. They have Martin Dubravka and Milan Skriniar. So yeah. they're 
yeah, for me, Slovakia bottom of the group, no wins. That's my that's my prediction. Okay, so that, is that if you've got anything different on that, <laughs> I mean, in that group we are at Spain, Sweden, Poland, Slovakia. I think we're both set. Spain win the group. I see it as that order. I see Spain, Sweden, Poland, Slovakia really? in the order that we've written down. I see that that's how it's going to end up. Yeah, mm, interesting. Okay, quite a nice, quite a nice. Probably going to be quite a nice group to watch. I mean, I think Spain will breeze it, but. Yeah, so the group of death. Group, yeah, group yeah, that's where we finally the get group to group of death, we should call it. Um, mm-hmm. let's, Mate, where do we start? Where do you want to start? <laughs> I think let's start with Hungary and get it out of the way. So we're not, okay. we're not sort of, you know, we're not just leaving it till last and going, well, oh, hungry. Um, yeah, okay. Right. Okay, well, without Sobos Lai, I hold up no hope for them whatsoever. Zero wins, three losses. That's it. If that's that, that was the that was someone I was really looking forward to seeing. And if they, if he's not involved, I don't see them getting any points whatsoever. Yeah. It's good that the BBC picked him out as the Wonder Kid one to watch on that podcast. And yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> he was going to be the one to watch. Yeah. I mean, okay. Well, we can breeze over Hungary then. <laughs> yeah. Some the, a few a few players that maybe people would have noted or seen around. Adam Shalai played in the Bundesliga for a while. Adam Nagy's, you know, been dotting around. Willie Orban plays for Leipzig. So does uh, Peter Galashi. They could be. A, they maybe maybe they get a spirited draw somewhere, maybe. and then maybe they hold. Maybe they hold France, Germany, or Portugal to a draw. But I yeah, I don't hold much hope. Bottom of the group. I reckon let's go Germany. Then we'll go okay, Portugal, Germany, and then, then we'll do France. Jurgen Lowe's last tournament. If I'm honest, I if I was the the DFB. I had a sent him packing straight after the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it seems a bit too late, right? It's mm. it, it seems that's something that should have happened a while ago. So this now, if you look at this 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 squad, this Euro twenty twenty tournament, this is gonna be it's gonna go one of two ways, right? Because this could be the last time like right, let's let's do it for Yogi. Here we go. One more tournament. He's got one left. This is the last chance he's gonna have to lead a tournament to to silverware. The whole squad could kind of rally around it and they could go really far they could win the whole thing or it could go completely sour really quickly because he's completely lost touch with the whole of his squad he bombed out too many players i think and told them that they'll never play international football again which, after the world cup which and he's brought some of them back in yeah. like very mixed messages because it was it was hummels Boateng, and muller where he was like i think maybe ozil as well there were there were some players where he's just like no we're done with them now we'll bring on some new players and then he's had to bring back Muller and Hummels because well a they played so well and b they're just lacking in kind of experience and leadership mm. so there's some very mixed messages in that squad I don't like I know Hansi Flick is going to take over after this tournament who I think will be able to kick things up a gear move them on to the World Cup 2022 they'll probably have a really good tournament there but this this time I look through this squad and they're just another team who just don't scare me anymore like See, the, the, this German squad do not scare me on paper Manuel Neuer Bernd Leno Kevin Trapp Matthias Ginter Robin Goosens Christian Gunter Haustenberg Klosterman Robin Koch like good players good defenders you obviously your main ones you're looking at Hummels Rudiger Saul like they that you'd think they would be the first three names on the team sheet if they're playing a back three. I can't imagine they will play a back three. I think they'll probably play Rudiger and Hummels at the back, but not a defence to be massively concerned about. But then that's pushing Kimmich into midfield. And now when we like Holland on paper, Emre Chan, Leon Goretzka, Ilke Gundogan, Jonas Hoffman, Joshua Kimmich, Tony Cruz, Jamal Jamal Musiala, and Florian Neuhaus. 
That was a good midfield. Yeah, it is a good midfield. I think there was, I did see someone say yesterday. I think that someone in the German setup, whether it's Yogi Love, whatever, should should just suck it up and put Joshua Kimmich at right back because he's their best option at right back, yeah. despite not being a right back by trade. Mm. Or I think he started off there, and now he kind of moved into he, he did the Philip Lahm career path where he's sort of the trajectory where he moved forward and is now in central midfield. But yeah. the idea that you should just their best option at right back isn't isn't actually their right back yeah but it seems to be that that's the way they should go and i wonder if that that does happen as the tournament goes on because there is so much there is a lot of talent in that midfield that you can afford to move Kimmich out and move him to right back and maybe he'll yeah. still be able to affect the game there and emory chan spent most of the year playing for uh, playing center back so yes he did yeah i mean for, just just to pick a few names out florin neuhaus is really exciting and mm-hmm. jamal musiala really exciting obviously is english chose to play for Germany <laughs> yeah there is talk of the little bit of a talent gap with Germany and, and and looking at the you know obviously Joshua Kimmich is a wonderful player Tony Cruz we know how good he is Goretzka powerhouse Ilkay Gundogan what a year he's had even though obviously he didn't go well in the Champions League final but like still I think without Gundogan in that two-month period just before Christmas for City I don't you know you could maybe pose an argument that they wouldn't have sort of kicked on as much as they did now going forward Nabry, Sane, Havertz, Muller, Volland, Timo Werner I think yeah, they it's are good. with it's good but they are without that formidable German presence mm-hmm. of an out and out striker um but still need themselves a closer don't they on need it's themselves d- a closer. yeah on yeah exactly on, on their day I'd still be scared of them I think we could have, the thing is the way that the groups are set up it could be that England's finishing first in their group could play Germany if they finish second in that group. So that would be a really interesting last 16 mm. tie. The only thing I, I, that Germany, their form is just all over the place. They got battered 6-0 by Spain in the Nations League. And we've already spoken about the fact they got humbled 2-1 by North Macedonia at the start of the year. They really are all over the place. And the, you could see a German team turn up and win all three group games and shut everyone up. Or you could see one of these capitulations like in the World Cup or like in Euro 2000 where they just do not get out of first gear. Yeah, um, I mean, they are... The first game against France is going to be key. Must watch. That is a must watch game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, they are, by name and nature, a tournament team. Massively. Never never write off never, and never underestimate yeah, them. Never write them which off. Which is exactly what I'm doing at the moment. So <laughs> they'll fucking teach me in a, in a month's time. Right, so Portugal. Last two, yeah. Well, Portugal, you mentioned at the start, and so I'm quite like, in terms of, in, in in terms of their like their attacking their attacking talent, we've kind of we've spoken about it already. It's they are just littered with goal scorers and chance creators, right? They could easily score double figures in the first three group games. It's I mean, fucking mad when you read through it. Ronaldo, Andre Silva, Joao Felix, Diogo Jota, Bruno Fernandes, Pedro Gonzalez, like fucking hell. Andre Silva's, I think he was. Mm, one of the standout players in the Bundesliga for Frankfurt scored a oh, lot massively. of goals. scored more goals than Haaland right yeah um, Ronaldo is obviously Ronaldo Jao Felix won the league Pedro Goncalves I think he absolutely and he scored got he got Bruno 20, numbers I think, for sporting he? yeah yeah, yeah he, he did Bruno numbers Diogo Jota if he'd have been fit all year probably would have had a you know even better year for Liverpool and I think he could already already class it as a good year that's just their attackers now going into midfield Bruno Fernandes Ruben Neves Jao Martinho Renato Sanchez, Bernardo Silva, Jao Paulinha, Sergio Oliveira, Danilo, Danilo Pierre Pereira, William Carvalho. Again, 
they have got absolutely every type of player in that midfield. They've got William Carvalho and Daniel Pere- uh, Danilo Pereira as uh, holders. Sergio Oliveira and Ruben Neves as a bit, you know, those m- bit more mobile midfielders. Sort with the ability to smash with the ability it from to smash yards. it. Jao <laughs> Martinho does a bit of everything, just an absolute solid professional footballer. Jao Paulinho obviously comes through. I think he's a bit more of a holding midfielder. And then Renato Sanchez, who was one of my favourite players when he was coming through at Benfica, I loved him. And I, I feel like you know, going to Swansea after after being bought by Bayern Munich and not really working out, and then sort of being sold to Lille at a cut price, and then coming and having such a good year and winning the league. Yeah, he he is he's back he's back he's gonna get a move I think so at some he's back, point. Back baby. Bernardo Silva again, what a good footballer! He can play on the wing, he can play midfield, he can play the ten, like just oh, what a footballer! And then yeah, midfield and midfield goal scoring ability in midfield is stacked. Go to the defenders, Cancelo, what a year he's had. Ruben Diaz. Play, <laughs> He won every Premier League award pretty much possible. Rafael Guerrero, consistent performer for for Dortmund. Pepe, as much as Pepe was one of the players that I hate the most because he's a big shit house. Like <laughs> what what a year he had for Out Porto. Out of a naissance at Porto, yeah. Uh, oh, no. Nelson Semedo, people write him off. Really fast right back in a good team. Mm. Jose Fonte won the league with Lille. Like and then go to the goalkeepers Rui Patricio Anthony Lopez and Rui Silva like three strong choices I don't think there is a there is not a bad player or there is not a weak you've, link in this squad you've really talked me around on this Portugal squad they weren't someone who um, I was putting in the kind of in the conversation to win the whole thing I know they won it four years ago mm. which I think kind of gets rid of their dark horse I think element so. because now they've won it they're not really a dark horse to they're me, just a contender yeah, now to right? me they're, they're, they're second favourite and, yeah. and that squad that they won it with I think is nothing like this squad. This squad would absolutely wipe the floor with that squad. Oh, massively. I think that's, you've really talked me around on this squad now. I think, although I watched them in that, the the nil-nil draw they had with Spain two days ago now was just littered with missed chances and terrible finishing. I think you've, honestly, yeah, you've you've talked me around on this squad. I really think that they, just when you just list out the players, it's just star after star after Mm. star after star. Um, and yeah, they could well be one of the ones, and they, they could be one of the one of the contenders in the final. Come the end of July, with I think I think this is they, these have to be the tournament favourites, right? France are genuinely the best team out of all twenty four here, in my eyes, anyway. They are. I know. I think the bookies have, have England odds on as or not odds on, but listed as favourites. But that's just the way the bookies market works. I don't think they're genuinely the best team in the competition. Not the best no. team in the competition. Our France. I mean, let's me. let's 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 go from the bottom. Hugo Lloris, Mike Maignan, Steve Mandanda, Steve Mandanda, the old faithful, probably just yeah, he's stoked, still hanging around. Probably just stoked <laughs> to be there. Um, Mike Maignan, obviously most clean sheets in Ligue 1, uh, won the league of Lille. Now being bought by AC Milan instantly mm. because Donnarumma's off. Yeah, <laughs> a good yeah. career move. What you know, what a team and a club to go play for, and what you know, if you if you're being bought instantly, shows this is the number one guy. Mm. Loris, I think obviously he'll probably play, but he's on the way out. Mike Manion is the one to watch going forward. Three strong goalkeepers. Even if Mandanda got a, got a game, I think he'd still probably do really well. Defenders: Lucas Dina, one of a left foot. Leo Dubois, bit of a renaissance in his career. Lucas Hernandez, very solid. Kimpembe. Obviously, PSG knows how to win things. Good defender, good in the air. 
Jules Koundé, very exciting talent, one to watch. Um, quite quite eye-catching, I think, um, with the way he plays. Clement Longley, I mean, Barcelona, he's now a starting centre-back for Barcelona. Pavard, Bayern Munich right-back when Kimmich isn't playing there. Scored that wonderful goal against Argentina in the World Cup. Rafael Varane, say no more, it's Rafael Varane. And then Kurt Zuma, who... You know, with Upper Meccano and all these centre-backs coming through, for Kurt Zuma to make it in there she probably shows how good a year he's had at Chelsea. Um, mm. Which, as a wonder kid, that Kurt Zuma always was, I feel like now he's actually hitting his potential. Midfield is... Insane. Insane. Right? In, is, the midfield and the attack are just outrageous. No, oh, I mean, they're talking about England only having seven midfielders. France have got six, and one of them's a winger, so... Like... <laughs> N'Golo Kante, Thomas Lamar, Paul Pogba, Adrian Rabiot, Mua Sissoko, Quarantine Tolisso. I mean, Kante, we don't even need to say much about. I mean, he's starting, yeah. isn't he? Pogba's probably I feel starting. Like Kante, in terms of it, it's he, he's like the, he's the key to the whole game, really, isn't he? Mm. He, he? He does so much. Yeah, we've spoken about Kante so much over the last few weeks that we really don't need to say too much no. anymore. The one thing I will say about him is if England aren't to win this summer, I don't. I don't. I'm not going to necessarily cheer for any teams, but I am. I will want to see a photo at the end of mid July with Kante lifting up the European trophy. That's the only thing I want to see at the end of the summer. If it's not going to be Harry Kane in England, I really want to see Kante lifting mm. that trophy just so he can do a complete clean sweep, so that he's won everything no matter where he goes. Yeah. Just to see his smiling face holding up the trophy is all I want from the end of the summer. If it's not to be Kane and the rest of England, but the front three, right? So now. The, the the attackers having Mbappe, Griezmann, and Benzema is just an absolute cheat code. To call for for Deschamps to just look at the group that he's in, having to play Portugal and Germany, and just to say, right, fuck it, we'll get Benzema back involved, mm. who is still ripping it up at, at Real Madrid. The the options that they've got, the players oh, they've got to pick. It's from. unbelievable. Kingsley Coman, outstanding. This Ambenyeda. I mean, we all know we all know how good Coman is. We all know Wissam Ben Yedder is now a, 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 a well-known, well-documented goal scorer wherever he goes to play. Karim Benzema, say no more. I think, I think because of the Ronaldo, you know, the Ronaldo bits uh, at Madrid, he yeah, just he sort of went unsung. Ronaldo, right? and now he's like, you know, without Benzema this year, Real Madrid man. would have been up shit creek. Dembele coming good at Barcelona finally. Giroud, I love that he's been included because it's one of those players that the France need him. And they use him. It's not one that they just sit him on the bench. They do use him. Griezmann, all right, he's had a bit of a tough time at Barcelona, but what a footballer. Kylian Mbappe, if we need to talk about him, then we don't need to talk about him. And Marcus Taram, right. I like as a, as, a, as a good inclusion. Um, where, where do you... These are the favourites. not a bad player. They have to be the favourites. They've they're, got they're the, no. massively. Yeah. Complete embarrassment of riches. No. The one, the one thing I think with the only thing with France is that they do play quite dogged, quite pragmatic football, which isn't always the most exciting thing to watch. I remember watching them in the World Cup. They started quite slowly against only one against Australia with a penalty. They, I mean, their game against Peru was pretty dull, and then they finished the groups with a one-one draw or nil-nil draw against mm. Denmark, which again was pretty turgid. But they win, and that's the only thing that matters. So they, so in terms of prediction for the group, how are you placing it? Three to well, like one, one, two, three, four. France. Yep. Portugal. Yep. Germany. Hungary. Hungary. Snap. I had exactly the same. And I think in that. Cool. I think in that, 
Germany are obviously going to be one of the third place police teams, or one of those three will obviously go through as a third place team, right? Um, yeah. Oh, you have to imagine so because they would they'll pick up points off each other yeah. and batter Hungary. I yeah. think so. I don't think there's any doubt that the third place team in that group is going through. Um, well, that brings us to an end of our little Euro preview. That's kind of everything we wanted to cover in terms of socials. People can find where can people find us, pals. On Instagram at X Heavy Metal Football X, um, and on Twitter at Heavy Metal FTBL, and then our email address is pod.heavymetalfootball at gmail.com. Um, Perfect. And to say, we will be rolling some fun content stuff out on the Twitter with maybe a few, you know, vote votes, uh, maybe a few quiz questions, maybe a few little social graphics like. We'll be getting into it. it yeah, it, there might not be as many podcasts for the Euros, but there will be stuff on the socials as well, just in case. Yeah. So you'll still hear from us. Um, I mean, in the meantime, enjoy enjoy the opening game. And, oh well, yeah, pals, enjoy the England game later on today. I will, I will. <laughs> yeah. and right, nice that's one. us out. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.